You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. City Church, we, uh, it's our habit uh, the second Sunday of September to have a meal together because we're moving in a lot of different directions during the summer and it offers us a chance to catch up, maybe see someone we haven't uh, seen in a couple of months or at least not had a conversation with. And so we're really glad you're here and we we'll hope you'll stay for that meal. It should be a great time. Today is also the start of a new sermon series here at City Church. Uh, This fall, we're going to be working our way through a sermon series called Sent Out. So, welcome back, Sent Out, welcome back, now go. And uh, there's a sense where that's really appropriate that those two things are paired together. Because I think, uh, in, in many ways, that's a shorthand for the gospel. Welcome and go. That's what Jesus said to Uh, his disciples. It's what Jesus continues to say now to us. Welcome, come, receive my grace and my comfort, and go. Go to those who don't know me. Go into the world. That's how the gospel is meant to work. The way this particular sermon series is going to work is, uh, if you look on the back of the worship guide, you'll see, and we have this printed every every Sunday here, we have our who we are statement, and it says, we're broken people loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve Richmond, and work for its renewal. We're going to focus on the second half of that who we are statement. What does it mean to be sent out into the world, to worship God, to work for the renewal of the world, to serve Richmond? We're going to talk about themes like evangelism, and justice, and mercy, and service. And uh, we're going to do that in a way that um, recognizes that we're sent out both to one another here in this family, but we're also sent beyond the walls of this church. We're sent out to our city. We're sent out into the world. And um, again, we need to hear both of those themes. Welcome back. Welcome in grace. Now go. Um, Today, I'm going to introduce this sermon series, what it means to be sent out. We're going to do that through a passage in John chapter 20. We're going to do it in a a slightly atypical way because today I also want you to get a preview of fall ministry here at City Church. And so interstitially throughout the sermon, I'm going to invite up members of our staff to share a little bit about some of our fall programming. And uh, it fits because this is how we see ourselves sent out both to one another and sent out to the city. So uh, we figured that would be a better approach than you having to listen to me drone on and on about all that we have going on this fall. All right, with that as introduction, let's read this passage of scripture. It's uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. It's printed in the worship guide, or if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there and read along silently as I read this out loud. Here's what it says. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. 
When he had said this, he showed them in his hands and his feet. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you are here in this place. You've promised that to us. We ask now that by your Holy Spirit you would come and awaken our minds and enliven our hearts for a real encounter with the embodied, risen Jesus, our Savior. We pray that we would hear his welcoming voice speaking to us in the midst of our fear, and we pray as well that we would hear his command sending us out to one another and to the world, and that we would go full of the Holy Spirit as your emissaries in this world. We ask that you would do all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today what I want to talk about from just these few verses that I read is fear, sending, and the Spirit. Three points, three parts. And the first is fear, because that's where this story starts. It starts with fear. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. A little bit of context in case you don't know the the larger context here in John 20. This is the night of the resurrection, the evening of the resurrection. A day before, a day and a half before, Jesus, the leader of this band of disciples, had been crucified and killed by the, the Jewish authorities. And so his followers, his disciples, are confused, and they're sad, and they're afraid. And they gather together in this room, and they don't know what to do. Fear is gripping their hearts, gripping their souls. They're uh, afraid physically, first of all, because they think, well, we just saw what happened to Jesus, and maybe they're going to come for us next. Some of these disciples had been accused over the last 24 or 36 hours of being followers of Jesus. Remember how many people said to the disciple Peter, you're one of them, aren't you? You're a follower of Jesus. And so fear of physical safety gripped the disciples. But it wasn't just a physical fear that they faced. They also faced this existential fear. They wondered, is all of this for real. I've given my uh, life for the last three years to following this man Jesus, to listening to his teaching, to see him do works that I'd seen no one else ever do, but now he's gone. He's dead. Was I following? Was I believing a lie? That existential doubt, that question, that confusion likewise gripped the disciples. Have you ever walked into a room and the second you walk into the room, you can feel the fear, the anxiety, the kind of low-level panic that's going on? Last weekend, my wife and I took my son up to college and dropped him off in his freshman dorm, and we could feel the anxiety. 
You can feel the, the awkwardness, even among these college freshmen who think they're so cool, right? It's, it's this palpable feeling of everyone trying to posture and feel things out. You know what that's like. You felt it too. Maybe you felt it this week, the anxiety of walking into a new job or walking into a, a new uh, a, a group of people that you don't know. That's what the disciples were feeling in this moment. And, and I love what John tells us in this verse. It says they locked the doors. They locked the doors for fear of the Jews. And the reason I like that phrase so much is I think it captures what we do all the time. Maybe not, uh, maybe not literally, but certainly metaphorically, figuratively. We are locking the doors. When we sense fear, we lock the doors of our lives. Where is that true for you? Where have you locked the doors because you're confused or you're filled with doubt or you're filled with fear? You don't want to let other people in. And you think there'll be safety by locking the doors, of circling the wagons, of blocking yourself off to new relationships or new experiences. I think this is a reality of fear and locking the doors that all of us can identify with. You know, there's uh, another sense that what the disciples were doing here on this first Easter evening was they were having a small group, weren't they? Maybe this is the first Christian small group recorded post-resurrection. And I, I want to share that because Harrison's going to come now and talk some about small groups here at City Church. We call them city groups. And he's going to talk about how these city groups are one of the mechanisms that we have to address the fear that we feel and to help us unlock the doors in our lives. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Harrison Ford. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And as Eric uh, has said about the passage, we meet the disciples with a, a door in between them and the world closed off because of fear. And as he's also said, isn't that so relatable? I think that's particularly relatable uh, over the experience of living in pandemic conditions over the past two and a half years. And maybe now uh, we have not necessarily shut the door between us and the world. We're going back to work. We're doing more things in public. But maybe the door is still shut between us and other people. I think that COVID uh, put some habits in our life that were necessary for a time, but they're hard to let go of. These kind of tendencies to look and say, I, don't, I just don't know if I have the margin right now to be around other people. And I think we feel um, how bad that is. We're made to live alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ. We're made for community. And so when we're, that door is shut... We feel lonely, we feel isolated, we feel depressed. I wonder how many of you feel that right now. I think that's an experience for many of us. Well, at City Church, we have many ways that we think we can address that. And we're going to talk to you about a lot of those ways today. But I want to highlight, as Eric said, the avenue that I think most specifically addresses this kind of door that we've closed towards one another. And that's city groups. 
In city groups, we come together and we look at the word, we pray, we hang out. But we do all of these for the purpose of connecting deeply with one another so that we can connect deeply with God. Because when we look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ made in the image of God, God is with us. Think about in scripture where he says, where you're gathered, two or more, I'll be there with you. So what I want to encourage you is, you know, maybe you haven't shut the door. Maybe the door is kind of halfway shut and you're sometimes peeking your head out. What I want to encourage you is to push the door open a little bit this semester by trying out a city group. We've got a list of them here in, uh, here in the worship guide. So they're, you can see they're all over the city. Uh, they're on different days, and a lot of these groups, we don't, weren't, didn't have space to put this information on there, but a lot of them have different rhythms for meeting. Some meet every week, some meet every other week, some meet one time all together, one week guys, one week girls, etc. So if you see some of these that you think are in your geography or work with the night of the week, why don't you reach out to these leaders? And also I want to encourage you too, this is a list a little bit in flux. We're going to be adding some groups to this as well over the next day or two. So let me encourage you this week to one, check the website. That's going to be the place where it's the most current information. Two, check the weekly email. The most up-to-date list will go out through there. And three, keep a watch if you're on social media on our Instagram account. What I think you're going to find is that if you're able to make this investment of time, and believe me, it is, it's a hard investment. My wife and I have three kids. It's hard <laughs> to do anything that doesn't involve just getting them to bed and trying to watch a little bit of the Great British Baking Show, which is coming back. Um, it's hard to do anything, but, and maybe you feel that, maybe you look and say, I don't have a lot of margin, but I promise you that if you make this little bit of investment of time into a city group, it's going to give you back a return on your investment that's so great, both spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. So I encourage you to do that. If you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks, Harrison. All right, I want to turn now to the second point. I said we start with fear. The second point, though, is sending. And we see this when Jesus, in verse 21, said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And, and here, what we see Jesus saying to the disciples who find themselves in fear, who find themselves with the doors locked in their lives, he says two things, peace and go. Very similar to what I started the sermon with, welcome and go. Receive my grace, and then you are sent out into the world. It's essential for uh, the Christian uh, not to separate these. Because if you separate peace and go, you diminish the gospel that is meant to have both. And, and, and I imagine that some of you have been in contexts, even Christian contexts or churches before, where you only heard one of these messages to the exclusion or the detriment of the other. Maybe all you heard was go. All that was talked about was that we are sent out, and it burned you out. You were so tired, you were exhausted. You came back and you were exhausted, and all you heard from the leadership was, yeah, go again. I know, I've, I've been a part of contexts like that before. 
There are others of you who maybe uh, it was a church or it was a group of people that was so focused on the, the peace part that it neglected going or the sending peace. It was always talk about comfort and grace that the gospel truly gives, but it wasn't matched by the call to go, to be sent out. You see, we can fall off on either side of the road. The true, full gospel is always both. Uh, one way to think about this is it's an inhale and an exhale. Inhale and exhale. Receiving the peace and grace of God and then going, filled with that peace and grace to the world that is broken and weary and needed. We have to balance God's grace and God's mission together. And so it's so fitting here in verse 21 that the two things that Jesus says are peace and I am sending you. Hold those two together. But notice as well how Jesus talks about this sending, right? Because there's more gospel here as well. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You see, that's the key. That's the pattern. That's the power. The Father has sent Jesus to you. And unless you understand that, unless you feel that, unless you receive that, your sending will be in vain. Because you need to know that God has sent Jesus to you. And it's only after you understand that, as you've received that, as you continue to receive that, that you can go based on his sending. And, and what I want to be very clear is that this is nothing new. This is God's design from the beginning of time. That's why uh, today uh, Casey read our Old Testament reading. It was from Genesis chapter 12, and it was the, the calling of Abram, this great example of faith from the Old Testament, and there he too was sent out. He received God's blessing, and he was told to go be a blessing to others. It was God's design for the very beginning. And so I, I put this quote from Chris Wright at the top of the worship guide today. And in that quote, he says, What else can the church be but missional? This is who we are and what we are here for. Being sent out isn't an additional extra that's tacked on to the life of the church or for uh, super serious Christians. It is for every follower of Jesus. It's part of the inhale and exhale of the gospel. Peace and go. Grace and I am sending you. Chris Wright goes on to say that a sent out church, that, uh, that's equivalent to saying a female woman. Because our sentness is baked into our identity as the church. We are sent out to one another and we are sent out to the world. Now, one of the particular places that we talk about our being sent out, one of the particular places that God has sent us here at City Church is to our children. We, we've talked about this before because God has blessed this church with a lot of young families with a lot of children, and so we have a responsibility. There's an implication to care for those children. It's one of the reasons we hired Catherine Malinowski as our new director of children's ministry, and so I want to introduce her to all of you. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen her face, other than maybe on social media, and uh, I'm also making her share on her uh, first Sunday here at City Church, 
but who better to tell us uh, about the ways that we're sent out to the children of City Church than Catherine. So this is Catherine. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Catherine Malinowski, and I'm the new director of children's ministry. Uh, when Eric asked me to do this, I was, you know, told him both I was intimidated but excited too. Um, I looked at the verse, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And I picked up on the same thing, that one of the primary places we are sent out is to our families. Now, this means more than just our nuclear families of kids and parents and grandparents, but it also means our family in Christ. So kids who are here, look around. Look beyond the row you're sitting in. Look behind you, look in front of you. Adults, you can look too, right? And see all these wonderful faces. This is your family in Christ. As a family in Christ, it is our job to encourage one another and build one another up. So to the kids in the room, I want to let you know that just like Pastor Eric said, he has been sent to you. Your relationship with Christ matters to us. We want you to know his grace and his goodness and wonder at his beautiful mystery. To the parents in the room, we want to support you in the development and the discipleship of your children using children's ministry. To the non-parent adults, you thought you had escaped. But we want to see you too. We value children's ministry because it is a whole family experience. It is learning and encouraging place for children and adults alike. So what are we being sent into? I view children's ministry as a welcoming and nurturing environment to ask questions, to try new things and explore faith, and to foster a curious community that creates a desire to seek truth. And why should we be sent here? Why should we feel like we should participate? As a family, we should desire to learn and grow together, which we can do through attending and serving in children's worship, which is happening now. If you're in first grade, there might be a meteor shower of aluminum foil. Who knows? You can be involved in Sunday formation, which begins next week, and we still need some volunteers. And as you age up, third grade graduation class, which will be coming later this fall, focuses on getting children to know what the church is and how we function here at City Church. I can't pretend to be an expert about City Church as this is my sixth day on the job, um, but I look forward to, be, to being sent with and serving with you, City Church. So, thank you. I knew that Catherine would do a great job, even if it was intimidating. And I think there's no better way to introduce her than to uh, allow you to hear her passion for helping to disciple and raise our children uh, in their own faith. All right, so we've talked about fear. We've talked about sending. And the last thing I want to talk about this afternoon is the Spirit. And this really comes uh, out of the next verse, verse 22. It says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. After Jesus sends out the disciples, with literally his next breath, he gives provision. Right? And, and that's the other remarkable thing about Jesus' sending, is that it comes with provision in order to fulfill what he has sent us to do. That's part of the gospel as well. It starts with the grace 
of his word, peace. Then it comes with the command to be sent out. But the command itself comes with the resources we need to obey that command. The Holy Spirit is uh, the currency of our being sent out. It's God's gift to us to help us obey what he has asked us to do. The Apostle Paul, in uh, the book of 2 Timothy, he says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. That's the same spirit that Jesus gave to his disciples, right? When they were huddled in that room with locked doors, gripped by fear, God gave to them a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And to everyone who believes today, he gives that same provision, that same gift. Now, here's the other wonderful thing about the gifting of the Holy Spirit, is that it's varied. It shows up in every follower of Jesus in different ways. It's not uniform. What we see, we see the expression in this family, in this church, we see the expression of God's varied grace to all of us through the Spirit. So the way that he has gifted you, the way that he has equipped you to be sent out is different from how he's gifted and equipped me, or different from the ways he's gifted and equipped the person next to you. That is part of God's miraculous design. We should celebrate it and receive it. So God gives us provision in our sending. Let me make two more observations about the nature of the Spirit and this provision. The first is this. Notice that the provision of the Holy Spirit is connected to forgiveness. Because in the last verse in our passage, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is, from any, it is withheld. You see, the Spirit is connected to forgiveness. Forgiveness, therefore, is at the core, it's at the center of our sentness. In our going to one another, in our going to the world, forgiveness needs to be the throbbing heartbeat of that. And trust me, friends, the world needs forgiveness. It needs to know that sin can be forgiven. You need to know that too. Because how much of our fear, how much of our confusion, how much of our loneliness comes from living as though our sins cannot be forgiven, either by other people or by God? So as we are sent out, whether it's to children, whether it's to adults, whether it's in city groups, whether it's in evangelism, whether it's at our schools, whether it's in the workplace, we are sent out with a message of forgiveness. And I know personally that I am at my healthiest, my fullest, when I am sent out knowing I'm forgiven and knowing that I can forgive other people. I live more generously, more graciously, more peacefully when forgiveness is at the core of my sentness. That's what the Spirit does for us. Here's, here's the uh, second observation I want to make about the Spirit that is given to us. Right? It says in this verse in, in, 20, uh, in 22, when he said this, he breathed on them. Right? That's kind of funny, right? With Jesus walking around like a mouth breather, breathing on people giving them the Spirit. He didn't have to get up in their grill and, and breathe on them to give them the Spirit, but he did. Why? I think he did that because he wanted us to see a connection to the very beginning of the story of the Bible, to Genesis 1 and 2. 
Because when God first created humanity, when he first created Adam, he picked up dust from the earth and he breathed into it and Adam became a living being. And here, after the resurrection, as Jesus is giving new life to these fearful disciples, he does the same thing, he breathes on them to show that his spirit, the work of his Holy Spirit, is meant to rehumanize them. The work of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus in your life, is to not make you less human in any way. It is to make you more fully human. That you would live into God's created design for you. And that everything else would fall away. That you would conform more to the likeness of Jesus Christ that you would be formed fully by the power of the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit into the woman or into the man that God intends you to be. And so as that, as a lead-in, I want to invite Meg to come forward because Meg is going to share a little bit about our formation and our plans for formation here at City Church this fall. This is the work that we see ourselves doing as a church, not making us less human, but making us more fully human. As Eric mentioned, um, the Holy Spirit is in us confirming the work of Christ, but it's not just confirming that we belong to Jesus. It's urging us and helping us to grow up into Christ. As we consider this idea of sent out, the Holy Spirit is sending us not out to one another, not out to the world alone, but sending us deeper into the heart of God, deeper into his love and his grace for us. That is what rehumanizes us and remakes us. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. I've been reading a lot for the Ephesians Bible study on Wednesday morning, and this is how he translates a passage in Ephesians 4. He says that we will grow up healthy in God and robust in love. And so that's what spiritual formation is. That's how we do that, is to grow healthy in God and robust in love. And so as a church, we're committed to spiritual formation so that we would grow up into Christ. And a way that we do that is our living our life together. And spiritual formation is a broad category to cover a lot of bases of what it means for us to grow up in Christ. So I'll mention a few of the things that we have that would fall under this big category of spiritual formation. As has been mentioned, Sunday formation begins next week, and that is a habit that we have together as a church to meet together and to grow together. So we have time to be in fellowship, to share a meal together, but also a time to learn. Whether you are little or old, there is a way for us to grow. And so that starts next Sunday. So make that a habit of your Sundays, to think about your spiritual formation is not only what happens in the sanctuary, but what you do right after church to be with one another and to pursue God together. Secondly, we're doing a new mentoring program this fall, and that's a way that we um, have an opportunity to, to live and share a spirit-filled life together. If the Holy Spirit is in each of us, by meeting together, we get to share that spirit-filled life together. If you have any questions about that, if you didn't get to sign up for that, please contact me or Harrison. And then finally, women's ministry, but also men's ministry. These are another way that we can grow up together in Christ, through the word, through time together, through events that we do. This is a way that we can gather and be shaped and formed by God's word and his people. So our hope 
is not that these are things that you would busy yourself with to make you feel like you're doing the Christian life, but you would see that these are avenues for you to create holy and healthy conditions for us to mature in Christ together. I want to just read part of that passage that I mentioned from the message from Ephesians, and I think this helps us to think about what does it mean for the Spirit to fill us so that we might grow in Christ together. And this is what it says from Ephesians 4. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath, the Holy Spirit, and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God and robust in love. Thank you, Meg. When I proposed this way of doing the sermon to the staff, they were a little bit nervous, and rightly so, because they thought it might mean a really long message. But here we are. It's five o'clock, and we're done. Uh, No thanks to me, but thanks to the staff, who are very uh, concise and pithy in their sharing. Um, So to wrap things together, let me give you just these three questions to ponder in line with these three topics we talked about. Where are you afraid? Where in your life are you filled with fear today? And then how is Jesus showing up there and saying, peace and go? It's another way of asking the question, how are you sent? Once you've received the grace of God, how are you sent? And then finally, how are you receiving the Spirit? How are you putting yourself in the way of the Holy Spirit? So that he would breathe through you and give you a robust faith. Think about those things today and this fall. And together, let us be a people who are sent out to one another and to the world. Let me pray. Father, it's fitting as we close this reflection on your word to hear the rain pouring down on the roof. Because we know that just as the rain comes down and waters the earth, so your word comes down to us and causes all sorts of spiritual growth in our lives. We ask now that by your spirit that has been breathed out on us through Christ, you would cause our lives to flourish with new growth and holiness and righteousness and obedience, all because we have heard your word of peace spoken to us in the places of our deepest fear. We pray this all through the name of Jesus, your Son, our Lord. Amen.